0: 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to be continuing our series called First Things by talking today about the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're only going to be reading verses 14 through 16. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, competent, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that in your word, you speak to your people. God, that you have breathed it out to us. And as your people, we understand that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so God, we ask that you would open your word to us today. That you would teach us from your word. That as we study the scriptures, God, we would hear your voice in this place. Nobody here wants to hear from a man. We want to hear from you, God. So lead us in this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And our stories are a window into who we are. If you want to truly know anyone. You can't just spend time with them in the moments. You've got to know their story. You've got to know where they've been, where they're going, where they came from. You got to know their loves and their joys and their hurts and their pains. You've got to know their life if you want to know them. And God has a story. Now there are countless stories being told by people all trying to explain the divine. And many people have given up on trying to understand God. And so maybe you're familiar with the parable that people tell about the four blind men who are all feeling different parts of the elephant and trying to explain what the elephant is. And so one, one blind man holding the ear says, an elephant is like a flat, it's flat and thin like a piece of paper. Another one feeling the side of the elephant says, no, an elephant is, is broad and firm like a wall. Another one feeling the trunk says, no, an elephant is long and flexible like a snake. And still the last one holding the leg says, no, an elephant is, is like a tree trunk. And so people tell this story in order to say that no one religion, no one philosophy, no one narrative can accurately describe all that God is. The problem is that the narrator of this story claims to be able to accurately describe all that the elephant is. You can't say in the same breath that nobody sees clearly and yet say, I see clearly. There's another problem with this story though. In our world, the elephant speaks. As people are trying to give words to God, God says, I've given my word to you. God hasn't left us to be blind, fumbling around in the darkness, trying to call something God. He speaks. And this is the first fundamental truth about the scriptures. The Bible is the word of God. It is not a word about God. It is God's own word telling us God's own story. And Paul says that it has been breathed out by God himself. Church, God speaks. We need to listen. The Bible is unlike anything else in all of the world because it's God's words written for us. And through the Bible, God speaks to his people. Anywhere the word of God is read, in the hearing of God's people, his voice is heard. And this is why in God's church, the word of God is going to be opened every Sunday and in every home throughout the week because God speaks to his people. Because he has something to say. And as his children, we are desperate to hear it. We are desperate for the word of God. The Lord is a God who speaks to his people. Hebrews 1.1 says that he has spoken at many times and in many ways through the prophets. Right? And it has throughout the Bible. There are story after story of God speaking to his people in a variety of ways. Some of those ways are in an audible voice. He speaks to his people through an audible voice like Moses in the burning bush. Or if you remember the child Samuel in the temple, Samuel, Samuel, the Lord cried to him. Sometimes he speaks to us through a messenger, an angel, the angel of the Lord. If you remember the story of Gideon, when the angel of the Lord stood before him and had a message for him, the prophets, would hear the voice of God, either in the still small voice as with Elijah or in the whirlwind as he spoke to Job. And those prophets would hear the word of God and communicate it to the people. And still yet God speaks to his people through his word. All of these forms of communication, this divine speech is communication from God. And if we believe that, then the form of communication is not what's important, but the message itself. So let me ask you this, which form of God's speech, an audible voice, an angel speaking through a fellow believer, a brother, a sister, a prophetic word, or the word of God, which form of God's communication are you more inclined to believe and obey? I confess, I think that it would be amazing in seasons of difficulty for God to just show up physically or to hear an audible voice or to send an angel to literally like take me by the shoulders and point me in the right direction. That would be incredible. Be amazing. I believe he could do that. God can do that. But honestly, if we're not inclined to believe and obey God's voice in the scriptures, then it doesn't matter what kind of experience I have. I will explain it away. I will convince myself, give myself a reason to not do it. Again, if we are unwilling to listen to the voice of God in the scriptures, then we will not listen to another form because the problem is not the form of communication. The problem is our hearts. The problem is often we do not want to hear it. We don't want to receive it. But what if God could change your heart? Now, Certainly for those who don't know the Lord or don't regard the scriptures as the word of God, we would assume they would hear it and not believe it. But even as believers, there are things in the scriptures that are tough to accept. We shouldn't be surprised by this. A very important truth of the gospel is that sin has corrupted our motives and desires. We don't want the same things for us that God wants for us. And so we shouldn't be surprised if we read something in the Word of God that we have a hard time with, or even potentially disagree with. But this isn't because the Bible is off. It's because I'm off. It's because my heart is off. But what if God could change our hearts? The Bible doesn't always give us the warm fuzzies, unfortunately. If we are reading it rightly, there will be times that we come across something that we have a hard time with. And when we do, we need to understand how to move forward. The starting place is to remember that Scripture is the word of God. And as such, the Bible is authoritative. Now, like knee-jerk reactions even to the word authority. We live in a culture that is allergic to authority. We do not like people telling us what to do. We live in a culture that values independence and autonomy. And we wonder why we don't like authority. I have to imagine the founding fathers sitting around creating a nation based on like independence and liberty and autonomy and sitting around going, how do we build a nation that will eventually rebel against anything we do for it? We love our autonomy. We love our independence. We don't like authority. But even as I say that, let's be honest. Do we really dislike authority? I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think we actually love authority. As long as we are the authority. <laughs> we can't stand being under authority. And the church isn't exempt from these temptations. Again, our hearts are still a work in progress. A brother this morning in prayer was talking about how we are God's workmanship. You are an unfinished product. We can't look at ourselves and expect finality from ourselves, completion from ourselves, but we can expect progress. We can expect that God is continuing to work on us. We are still a work in progress, but this This rebellion against authority has crept into the church in a really ugly way in recent decades. Maybe you're familiar with something called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Maybe you're not. I'll explain it to you. It was not developed by John Wesley himself, But it was developed by historians and theologians to describe how John Wesley came to theological conclusions. And he looked to four sources of authority. Scripture as the ultimate authority. The the interpretations through the, the, the church traditions as another authority. Reason and personal experience As the last two authorities, we learn from these things. We know the Bible is not the only authority. It is the ultimate authority. There are other opportunities to learn truth. And so these can be really helpful when handled with care. Unfortunately, what many have done over time is that they unhinge these four authorities from their hierarchy and give them equal right to one another, equal authority to one another. So now my personal experience has just been put on par in authority with the scriptures, making my opinions equal with God's word. That is a travesty. This wrongfully has empowered many who profess to be believers to choose what parts of God's word we want to believe and obey and which to reject. And that means what typically we end up with is just like only the gospels, except where Jesus talks about sin or judgment or performs a miracle or anything like that. Certainly the Old Testament is like out, except for the Psalms those that don't talk about sin or judgment or, you know, all of those things. And, and we're, we're, we're left not with the Bible as our authority, but we've placed ourselves in authority over Scripture. We don't dislike authority. We dislike being under it. But if we pick and choose for ourselves what parts of the Bible to believe, then it's not the Bible we believe. It's ourselves. We have made ourselves to be God. One of our Wednesday prayer and worship gatherings, the kids were drawing with chalk on the sidewalk. And I have no idea which of your kids did this, but as I was walking away, I saw in chalk, it was written, "God is greater than my opinions." I literally wanted to like dig up the concrete and like preserve this chalk drawing, because it was beautiful. So I took a, did the next best thing. I pulled out my phone. I, I took a picture. We can't ever find ourselves in a situation where we think our opinions are bigger than God. Or that we have the right to put words in God's mouth or hide some away that we don't like. When it comes to these reactions against the word of God, the problem is not with the authority that has been placed over us, It's our hearts bucking against being under that authority. And again, the Bible is not the problem. We are. But again, we shouldn't be surprised that this is the situation, that our desires and motives in life are often contrary to God's desires for us. As believers, we agree with God in Jeremiah 17, 9, when he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Maybe the reason we have a hard time receiving from the word of God is because we know we have to change. We know we will have to change. We can't live the way we want to. And that's a bummer. The world teaches that if we have a desire, we will be unhappy until we can fulfill that desire. And you know what? I'm not even going to argue with that. I don't even think scripture argues with that. I'll throw a Bible verse on it. Check this out. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. How do you like them apples? Scripture actually agrees with culture on something. It is a bummer when we don't get what we want. But what if our desires were to change? What if the scriptures were true? What if God could change your heart? Look, it's only from a changed heart that we can agree with Paul in this passage and say, yes, Paul, the scriptures are profitable. It's the only, it's only from a changed heart that we can agree with Paul. It's only from a changed heart that we can agree that scripture's teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness is profitable. If we actually desire righteousness, if our hearts were changed to desire righteousness more than comfort, more than pleasure, more than power or anything else in the world, then we could believe that the scriptures are profitable. This requires nothing short of a changed heart. And so friends, here's the good news. The word of God can change your heart. See, the most important thing about the inspired Word of God is that it leads us to an encounter with the incarnate Word of God, with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The life with God that the Scriptures proclaim is not possible in the scriptures themselves, but in the one that the scriptures lead us to and point us to. The life with God that is possible is only found in Jesus. Remember, God has given us a story, His story in scripture, not just about Him. It's not a story about God and what He wants from us. It is God's story so that we will know him and what he has done for us. In a heated debate with the religious leaders, Jesus tells them, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yet it is they that bear witness to me, and yet you refuse to come to me and have life. This whole book, from beginning to end, is about Jesus. From beginning to end, creation to new creation, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is God's story and Jesus is its hero. See, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the heavens and the earth rebelled against God. You and I, we've just been talking about how we have rebelled against God placed ourselves, the temptation to place ourselves in authority over God. But God promised that a Savior would come, that a Redeemer would come from the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. And after centuries of waiting, that's the whole storyline of the Bible. You read Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And the question that we're to ask as we read the Bible is, is this the one? Is this the one? Is it this guy? Is now the time? And it's over and over again. No, it's not Moses. No, it's not Abraham. No, it's not David. It's not Solomon. It's not any of the prophets. They're waiting. And through a season after season after season of failure, they're waiting for the promised redeemer to come and crush the head of the serpent. That is the story of the Bible. But nobody expected that God had planned all along what he would do. Though the heavens and the earth rebelled against him, he came from heaven to the earth to speak to us, not from the clouds, not through an angel or the prophets, but to speak to us face to face in the face of Jesus Christ. Not to condemn us, not to destroy us, but to undo the destruction that we do to ourselves by rebelling against our Creator. To reconcile us not only to Him, but to one another, so that we stop hurting each other. Jesus, the Son of God, equal with the Father, submit Himself to the Father's authority. The very One who was the Word of God, who spoke all things into existence, submit Himself. To the Word, And he lived a perfectly obedient life that the scriptures require and he died the death that our sin requires. And he raised from the dead giving us victory over the grave and by faith we are given his Holy Spirit who unites us to Jesus and he gives us a new heart and he makes us a new creation. In fulfillment of what God said centuries earlier through Ezekiel in chapter 36. The Lord says, I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It is only from this new heart that Ezekiel prophesied that Jesus fulfills that we can actually be inclined and desire to walk in God's statutes and to obey his word. In Christ, we have a new heart that gives us new desires to love how he loves. And scripture guides us not through some mundane legal code, but guides us by the spirit into life, reality. This is why we must follow paul's word in the next chapter second timothy chapter 4 when he says i charge you in the presence of god and of christ jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Reality carpentaria, not just here on Sundays, but in our lives, we must preach the word. We must preach the word because it's in preaching the inspired word of God. That everyone who hears is invited to encounter Jesus, the incarnate word of God. And his story becomes our own. The most wonderful thing about God's story is that he invites it us to make it our own story by simply believing that it's true. Through faith, the Holy Spirit unites us to Jesus and his story of redemption becomes our story of being redeemed. And because of this, because his story is our story, when we read scripture and we see how our lives don't measure up, we no longer have to be condemned by it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But each and every time the Word of God exposes the sin and the darkness in our hearts, that is just another opportunity to proclaim thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to God for forgiving me of my wicked ways, Lord. Heal my heart, transform my heart. We don't have to be afraid of the Word of God, church. We don't have to be afraid when we turn the page and like, oh, it's okay. It's Psalm 23. We can run to it. Run to it knowing that it is profitable. Knowing that every page points us to life in Christ. If you're here today and you haven't trusted in Jesus, then your story does define you. That all your righteousness is exactly that. It's all you have. And in the end, all you are is a sum of your experiences and memories. But through trusting in Jesus, he becomes the one who defines you. His story becomes your story. His desire to forgive becomes your forgiveness. His desire to love becomes the love you experience. His word speaks a better word over you than anything you've ever done or anything that has been ever has ever been done to you. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, No matter what you've been through or what trajectory your life is on, God calls you through the word of God, through Christ Jesus, and says, come to me, my son, my daughter. And invites you into the family story, the household of God the family of God's story. He longs to forgive us. He longs to lavish his grace upon us. Your sin, your shame is not a reason to avoid God. It's the reason to run to God because only he can do something about it. You can't do anything about it. You can try. You can try to change the trajectory of your life. How's that working for you? You are here today and so the word of God invites you into his story to be redeemed by him. Trust in him. Run to him. And as he transforms your heart, watch how the Bible miraculously transforms from being a source of fear and anxiety to becoming a word that brings life to your soul. Church, everybody has a story. And no matter who you are or where you've been, Jesus invites you today to let him rewrite your story. To give you a new start and to make your story his story. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you did not leave us to grope around in the dark trying to find something to call God. But you are the word of God. You spoke by your word all things into existence. And then you came to redeem all things in existence to yourself. Jesus, we trust you. God, help us where we find it hard to trust you. God, we believe your word. Help us when we find it hard to believe your word. God, I pray that your words to us would be life, would bring joy, that we would understand that your word calls us as a loving father calls his children to be near him. Your word doesn't stiff arm us and keep us away and tell us why we can't. Gives us every reason why we can. Why we can come to you and receive grace. Lord, transform our hearts. May we be transformed by the renewing of our minds each and every moment we open God's word to ourselves. We love you. Thank you.